are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? Welcome to this Friday, May 28, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan and not exactly looking forward to doing math on today's show, but yet here we are because the news came through earlier this week and and this is not finalized, but the NFL owners and the NFLPA came to an agreement on a salary cap ceiling for the 2022 season, which is a big development because the number involved is much higher than the number that we're working with here in 2021. And for a team like the Dolphins, who made some key acquisitions, signed a few guys to one-year deals, guys like Jacoby Brissett and Will Fuller, and a team like the Dolphins, who needs to bring back or decide if they want to bring back and retain talents such as Mike Isecki, Jerome Baker, and so on and so forth, knowing that there's the potential for the salary cap to check in so significantly higher than where it sits in the here and now is a big development and offers plenty of hope and optimism that the Dolphins are going to be able to do that thing that most good football teams do, which is retain their drafted talent. You want to build through the draft? Part of the byproduct of that is retaining the good talent that you acquire along the way so that you are no longer constantly drafting for need, but instead can draft for a year or two years in advance in anticipation for players that are going to price themselves out of what you're able to replace, but you'll still get a couple of years of them being contributors on your roster before that transition takes place. Who knows? Maybe we've already begun to see that take place. I do think the selection of Hunter Long does raise an eyebrow for the tight end position. And we're going to talk about Mike and his contract here in a little bit. But of course, Mike deserves a big old round of applause for going to bat for his quarterback earlier this week. Mike's always been a no-nonsense guy, but to hear him kind of just shoot straight from the hip and this is BS, I appreciated that from a guy who all of a sudden, and Mike Isecki is one of the more longer tenured Miami Dolphins on the roster coming into his fourth year and a contract year. So we're going to do a little bit of math. We're going to start to add up some of these contracts. We're going to look at contract extensions. It's a way too early look, but we're going to ask ourselves if the Dolphins wanted to retain their talent. What does that look like? What does their cap situation look like as things currently stand? What can we expect of the Dolphins with some of these critical pieces that have the potential for second contracts or contract extensions? What do those financial figures look like and what kind of wiggle room would that leave the Dolphins after retaining and making those moves? So the best place to start here in my eyes is to just kind of look at with the projected salary cap, the ceiling right now is set at $208 million for 2022. That's a healthy boost over the $185 million that we're currently sitting at, of course, And regardless of where this number checks in, it's just going to determine how much wiggle room you have, but it's not going to change the order of operations as far as where the Dolphins stand in the NFL's pecking order, which 
you project as things currently stand. Dolphins currently projected to own the NFL's fourth highest figure in cap space. We're back, baby. The end of this uh, this 2021 offseason, it's been a little tough. Spending got a little tight. Can't always get what you want, Brian Flores says. Look who's back inside the top five. $66.6 million of spending power if the cap checks in, of course, at $208 million. It may not. It may check in below that. But the fact that this is the ballpark that the NFL and the NFLPA set the ceiling at, I mean, you're expecting at least a $15 million jump at this. You're expecting at least $200 million minimum. The three teams in front of the Dolphins, the Indianapolis Colts, who seem to have a perennial death grip on that, Chris Ballard, the general manager, regardless of the moves that that team does or does not make, they always have a ton of cap. I think that's something the Dolphins should aspire to, to some degree, maybe not the extreme in which the Colts are always carrying around $70-plus million in cap space, it feels like. But this is what long-term flexibility looks like, of course. And, and that's a good thing for the Dolphins for a team that's young and wants to build primarily through the draft. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger's albatrosses of, com- of a contract coming off the books. That'll help. And the New York Jets, who are about a half a million in front of the Dolphins for third place overall. So you think about some of the Dolphins' other contracts that you could make a justification to part ways with. Miami could very easily chase down the Jets and sit in the three-hole. That, of course, will not be a position in the salary cap rankings that is retained if the Dolphins spend aggressively to retain a lot of the talent that they bring in. So who are the players that are on expiring contracts, or the players of note, I should say, that are on expiring contracts coming into the 2021 season? You have a handful of free agent additions such as Will Fuller, Jacoby Brissett, Justin Coleman, Matt Skura, Malcolm Brown, Michael Pollardi, John Jenkins, Duke Riley, Brennan Scarlett, DJ Fluker, Robert Foster. These are the notable names that are Jason McCourty, uh, free agent additions. And then you also have names like Emmanuel Agba who signed a two-year deal with the Dolphins last offseason. Elan and Roberts, who technically he was on the team last year, so he got a one-year extension. Albert Wilson. Mike Gusecki. Mac Hollins. Jerome Baker. And then you have a number of guys who are restricted free agents, which will be very easy for the Dolphins to retain, and that's guys like Nick Needham, who's coming into his third year. Uh, once he passes three years of tenure, then he would be a standard free agent. Savan Ahmed, uh, exclusive rights free agent there. Preston Williams, restricted free agent. Those kind of guys, they feel like no-brainers. If they're on the roster, you're going to exercise your right from an ex- uh, res- the restricted free agent dynamic, and you would get good compensation if anybody chose to uh, target and sign them should you tender them in a way that makes them available to be negotiated with with somebody else. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. So get all the latest news, odds, and info on your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and UFC. Before the next pitch, 
Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information that's available. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, fair warning, if you listen to this podcast with any regularity or you listen to the Draft Dudes podcast, which I do over at the Draft Network with Joe Marino, uh, you're very well aware. I make the disclaimer right up front, not a big math guy, not a big math guy, but I do have a calculator handy. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of the players that the Dolphins have as expiring contracts, and we're going to explore, financially speaking, what we should provided things go relatively according to plan, what some of these contract extensions are going to look like. Starting first and foremost with Will Fuller. Obviously signed a one-year deal worth $10.6 million in base salary. There's some incentive escalators that could get this thing up to about $13 million. Not a small contract, but for a guy who's struggled a little bit with durability and he struggled with availability and he had a suspension last year, Uh, It's been difficult for him to have the big breakout season that he's physically capable of having. Nevertheless, uh, our friends over at SpotTrack did a market value assessment of Will Fuller based on other comparable players, based on production, age, and so on and so forth. And the perceived market value of Will Fuller was almost $17 million per season. Effectively, what Kenny Galladay got is what Will Fuller was projected to get. Now, obviously, one-year prove-it deal coming down to Miami. He didn't get that Kenny Galladay size deal, but the players that were used as comparable contracts based on age and production were Brandon Cooks, Tyler Boyd, Stephon Diggs, and Amari Cooper, the annual average salary of those players, 16.2, 10.7, 20, and 14.4. So the average of those four contracts was $15.6 million. And those guys were a little bit younger than Will Fuller when Will Fuller signed. So let's assume Will is what we hope he is. He's a home run hitter. He stays healthy, plays 14, 15, 16 games. He won't play 17 because he's going to be suspended week one based on the the drug test from last year. And let's say he averages, what, 15, 16 yards per catch, something along those lines, good chunk plays, challenges 1,000 yards, challenges double-digit touchdowns. I don't think that's outrageous when you think about his resume, provided he stays healthy for the season. If he gets that, then he will definitely have earned, especially with the cap jump, he will have earned that Kenny Galladay size contract. So we're working with $66.6 million. And let's say you want to bring back Will Fuller because he's got good chemistry with Tua Tagovailoa. We're going to take the 17. We're going to round it up. We're going to give him the $17 million. We'll take that right off the top. 49.6. Still plenty of wiggle room. No, not even worrying about bringing back and retaining talent other than... Will Fuller or, or hitting free agency. But again, this is part of the focus when you're a good team. You're not focused on bringing in a bunch of new guys. You're focused on retaining your talent. 
Emmanuel Agba would be the next talent I'd be interested in having the conversation about. His current contract, two years, average of $7.5 million per season. If he replicates what he did this past year, he will have earned more than that. No question about that as far as I'm concerned. But the question is, what kind of ballpark can you expect? And the best way to look at this is to look at some of the recent contracts that have been signed in those annual average salaries. I look at this year's free agent crop, Carl Lawson with the Jets. Signed a deal worth an average of 15 per season. Trey Hendrickson signed with the Bengals from New Orleans, an average of 15 per season. Matt Judon, 13.6. Yannick Ngakwe, 13. So some pretty notable contracts having been signed this offseason. And granted, this was with a little bit of the money pinch. So if you work without the restrictions of a reduced salary cap, you can probably bump 10% onto that. Out of those guys, I think Emmanuel Agba profiles most comparably and favorably to Matt Judon, a guy who got into a Dolphins scheme that really allowed him to generate some free runs off the edge, utilize his length, collapse pass rush angles, but not a guy with a super diverse set of pass rush counters or a super bendy guy off the edge to really play at steep angles and finish. So Judon got 13.6. Let's say you add the 10% based on you know grading for inflation with the salary cap. You're talking about the $15 million that Carl Lawson and Trey Hendrickson got. You can go ahead and take that right off the top. Now, this is an important disclaimer. That's the annual average salary. But the way you can prorate signing bonuses and put in roster bonuses and so on and so forth, you don't have to pay in 2022. You don't have to pay if you sign Emmanuel Agba to a contract extension that's worth 15 per season. It doesn't have to be a $15 million cap hit in year one. This is more of an exploratory what that budget can get you and then how the Dolphins choose to manipulate the cap from there is going to determine how much additional wiggle room and carryover cap they bring into 2023 because if you don't use it, you don't lose it in the NFL. You can bring it with you to the next year. So rolling over cap and saving cap by deferring some of your guarantees, not doing it irresponsibly, which is what the Dolphins of past have done from time to time, uh, is an important strategy because it allows you to roll that money over and help preserve spending power year over year. So if you just take Will Fuller and Emmanuel Agba at fairly aggressive, but if, you're go- if you want to retain guys, they're going to have to be aggressive but fairly aggressive projections. You've cut your cap about in half as far as spending power. And before you get into manipulation of the cap by signing bonuses and roster bonuses, so on and so forth. The big ticket items left. You get a starting center in Matt Skura, who SpotTrack also did a projection on. Projection was $10 million per season. Four years, $40 million. The comparable contracts, Ryan Jensen, J.C. Treader, Marquise Pouncey, and Nick Martin, 
the average annual salary of those four contracts combined was $10.8 million. Matt Skura, of course, uh, did not get into that ballpark. He signed a one-year contract worth under $2 million. Players like that, players like Jacoby Brissett, you know, that that's relatively small fish versus guys like Will Fuller and Emmanuel Ogba. Mike Gusecki's a big ticket item. Mike Gusecki's an important one for us to iron out. Uh, Spot track did a projection here, and I think this one's probably a little bit closer than what the Matt Skura one was. $10 million annual average salary per season. That may feel aggressive. It may feel like a lot of money for Mike, who had a career year this past year, had 700 receiving yards. But what you need to be aware of as it pertains to the tight end position in particular is you are seeing a very, very rapid acceleration of NFL spending at that position relative to some of the other positions across the league. So, here's the example. The top, let's do six, top six contracts at the tight end position as things currently stand based on annual average salary. George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, Austin Hooper, Zach Ertz. The annual average salary of those guys, Kittle, $15 million. Travis Kelsey, $14.3 million per season. Hunter Henry, 12.5. Jonu Smith, 12.5. Austin Hooper, 10.5. Zach Ertz, 8.5. So you could see it tails off fairly quickly, right? But the important thing to remember about this hierarchy of tight end expenditure is that the top five contracts have been signed within the past 13 months. Zach Ertz, eight and a half, the only existing contract that 18 months ago was at the top of the food chain. Austin Hooper signed a $10.5 million annual average salary contract with the Browns last year in free agency. Reset the market 10 and a half. Then Travis Kelsey, you get to August. Travis Kelsey signs a contract extension worth $14.3. Four, nearly a $4 million jump from Austin Hooper's contract. Three days later, George Kittle signs a $15 million annual average salary contract. You've increased the tight end market as far as the, the top of the top, the top contract for the, the position in the entire NFL in a span of eight months, effectively doubled. And, and that's the impact that tight ends are having in the NFL these days. And then you get around the free agency this year, and the Patriots give $12.5 million contracts to both Jonu Smith and to Hunter Henry. So this, this has accelerated very, 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 very quickly. So if you're the Dolphins, and if Mike Gusecki is a part of your long-term plans, um... I wouldn't mess around. <laughs> I, I would try and get a deal done quickly here and try and reset the market because if Mike goes out and he balls out again 
and Mike puts up 800 plus yards. He's in the top five in receiving yardage for tight ends. He's in the top five for receiving touchdowns for tight ends. All very realistic expectations for Mike based on what he showed last year. You're going to pay a lot of money. So I don't know if Hunter Long is a contingency plan in case they can't get a deal done. I don't know if Hunter Long is an omen that they want to be more traditional at the tight end position. And Mike's going to be given a chance to go somewhere else. Uh, I'd be surprised if that was the plan. But this feels like the contingency plan. And um, no, this this position is very rapidly growing, and it's a testament to the versatility of these guys and how they are the two true game changers and offensive and defensive structure changers in the NFL. So I think that $10 million is very, very realistic, and that's probably the floor. If I don't expect Mike's going to give anybody a hometown discount. Maybe he does. Seems like he likes Miami, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if that that number contends with the Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, especially because Jonu Smith is a player who, like Mike, isn't a traditional wide tight end. You look at Kittle, Kelsey, Henry, Hooper, Ertz. These are traditional guys who can play with their hand in the dirt. A little bit less Ertz these days. He's slowing down a little bit, but... Guys who are more traditional wide tight ends with their hand in the dirt, they play in line, attached to the offensive line, next to an offensive tackle. Mike very rarely does that. A little bit more of a hybrid player. Johnny Smith is the same thing. They're used in different utilizations uh, and route trees and so on and so forth. But if he's getting 12 and a half per, I uh, would not be surprised at all if Mike approaches that number. But we'll, um, we'll put it at 11 and a half to kind of split the difference. So now you're down from 66. You've spent about two-thirds of that money. You've got 23 left. We didn't touch Jerome Baker yet. So the good news is Jerome's kind of the last big fish out of the guys that needs to be retained from the Dolphins. Yes, there's, there's role players here. There's guys like... Jacoby Brissett and Justin Coleman, like we mentioned, and Albert Wilson's an expiring contract, and Matt Skur and Malcolm Brown, but those guys feel like they're very either easily manipulated to fit under the cap or they're easily replaceable players. But Jerome Baker, with the jump that he made this past year, is kind of the one that you're going to have to make a decision about. And he's obviously represented by Drew Rosenhaus and Rosenhaus Sports. And uh, he had a phenomenal breakout year from a production standpoint this past year. So let's explore Jerome Baker. But not before I remind everybody about our dear, dear friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And if you are in the mood to just eat delicious food all day long, all day strong, I got great news for you, Built Bar. I mean... 100% chocolate, high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in fiber, keto-friendly, 10-plus flavors to choose from, whether you're looking for breakfast, lunch, dinner, pre-workout, post-workout, something on the go, midnight snack, you name it, Built Bar can be it. So visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll save 15% on your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15, to save 15% on your next order. 
So Jerome Baker, um, linebacker is a, another position that the hierarchy as far as spending power is a little bit weird. But what you need to know about Jerome Baker is he fits the kind of profile of being a higher priced linebacker because while you're seeing much more of a trend towards sub packages and more safeties on the field, if you can play all three downs as a linebacker, your value is immediately juiced. And Jerome can do that. Jerome in 2019 played 97% of the Dolphins' defensive snaps, nearly 1,100 snaps. This last, this past year, he played 84% of the Dolphins' defensive snaps at 868 snaps. So he has played the vast majority of the Dolphins' defensive snaps. And he's gotten better in coverage every single year in just about every metric possible. He was actually targeted in 2020 at the highest rate of his playing career and playing in coverage, 57 targets. Uh, conceded a career low in completion percentage, 70%. Conceded a career low in yardage, 349 yards. Conceded a career low, in a good way, in yards per completion and yards per target. Yards per target was down to 6.1 yards per target, a passer rating allowed of 86.1. He missed 10 tackles on the season, 8.2% missed tackle rate. Uh, that was up from the 2019 figure, but also down considerably from his rookie season, uh, which was 12.2%. He also had seven sacks on the season. He had 15 pressures, double his previous career high in both figures. So you're talking about a major, major leap in production from Jerome Baker. And if he does the same thing again next year in 2021, He's going to earn himself a really good contract. The hierarchy for linebackers. Bobby Wagner, C.J. Mosley, Zach Cunningham, Miles Jack, Deion Jones, Shaq Thompson, Jalen Smith, Levante David. Those are some of the top salaries for the position. You're ranging from $18 and $17 million for Mosley and Wagner at the top. Then you have a big gap. Coming down to Zach Cunningham, Miles Jack, both of those guys, 14 and a half, 14 and a quarter. Deion Jones is at 14 and a quarter. Shaq Thompson's at 13 and a half. Jalen Smith, 12.75. Levante David, 12 and a half. Jerome Baker's another guy that's probably, probably going to, when you're factoring in inflation and, and the lack of salary cap pinch, you're talking about probably a $12.5 million per year player plus. So the big money guys that we talked about for the Dolphins in free agency, uh, there's four of them that are going to be 12, 11, 12 plus million dollar per year on average players. Will Fuller, Emmanuel Agba, Mike Isecki, and Jerome Baker. The good news is even if they all hit those very, very, very lofty marks for themselves, the Dolphins could sign them all, pay them all up front, which they would not do, and they'd still have eight figures left over against the cap. So that's a testament to how much spending power they have. But if you consider that they'd probably... Let's... let's 
let's put it about 60%. Just a arbitrary number I'm pulling out. You're talking about spending about $56 million on those four players combined. And you pay out 60% of that up front against this year's cap. You're talking $33.6 million. Which means you'd have $30 million in cap space for additional middle tier and bottom tier re-signings. And anybody in free agency that you wanted to to bring into the fray. And that number can get even bigger if you further prorate out the the signing bonuses that are, are given out. Maybe you stagger them and you do roster bonuses for some and you go big lump sums up front, get that taken care of. But this is it's it's a really great spot to be in to know you're looking at your roster and you've got four really, really prominent players that are kind of key corner you're expecting to be key cornerstones or they have been in the past key cornerstones to your team and you can fit them all and have plenty of wiggle room to do whatever kind of damage you want beyond that we should feel real good about the Dolphins opportunities to sign everybody it's a question of if they're comfortable with those price points and if they're willing to go there I don't have that answer I'm just kind of strictly speaking to kind of based on the hierarchy of salaries at each one of those players' respective positions, their production to this point in their careers, and with the salary cap jump that we're facing, and even if it doesn't hit the 208 cap, say it comes in at $200 million, the Dolphins can still fit all those teams in, or those players in, and still have over $22, $23 million in cap. So Miami's in a really good spot here to make sure that the nucleus of their team remains in whatever fashion they want that to look like. Another reason to get excited about the rebuilding effort, another reason to get excited about the salary cap management that this team has undertaken. We should not overlook it. We should not uh, ignore it. We should not take it for granted. Because I remember the contract restructure of Ryan Tannehill and Rashad Jones days way too well. And they were way too frustrating. Because you're up against a glass ceiling and you're going to maneuver just enough to get one guy in here and damn yourself for another two years because of it. Not this Dolphins team. This Dolphins team's different. Hope you guys have a great, great weekend. Thanks, as always, for carving time out of your day to checking out Locked On Dolphins. I am Kyle Krabs, your host. Keep it locked in all summer long. Before you know it, it'll be training camp. We'll be gearing up for the 2021 season. We'll have a great time along the way, so hit subscribe. Fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.